On this episode of Healing From Within, an interview with Dimitri Moraitis. He co-authored a book with Barbara Martin, Heaven and Your Spiritual Evolution, A Mystic's Guide to the Afterlife and Reaching Your Highest Potential. He's here to talk about the book and how we grow to heaven, not just go to heaven, next on Healing From Within. Hi, I'm Tony Valen. Welcome. So on today's show, I have Dimitri Moraitis. He co-wrote a book with Barbara Martin called Heaven and Your Spiritual Evolution, um, A Mystic's Guide to the Afterlife and Reaching Your Highest Potential. This book is all about life and life after life. Most of us talk about going to heaven. They talk about growing to heaven. So Dimitri, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. I I love this subject. This is my favorite subject, actually. And I, you know, in reading the book, uh, it talks about Barbara and how her journey began, which right. is like me. I mean, I, I, I could always see auras. I just didn't know oh. what they were. Oh, my goodness. Wonderful. And, yeah. And up to now, I mean, I still I, I know a lot better and a lot more about them. Right. And uh, so anyway, back to you guys. So tell me how and when did your journey begin? All right. Well, you know what? If you don't mind, I will talk a little bit about Barbara because so much of the book is about her stories. Okay. Um, yeah, she was kind of born seeing the aura. Uh, from age three, she started seeing the colors. And this is in Depression era. Barbara's considerably older than myself. And, um, you know, there were no books. That, no, you didn't talk about this stuff openly. And um, But she said, I was attracted to people who had pretty colors and those detracted to those that had kind of ugly colors. Uh, when she was 11, she met someone that could see the aura, too, but also was trained. She was a hermetic scientist. And this woman started training Barbara and, you know, basically said, Barbara, you can see the aura. And her jaw dropped because that's the first time she even, is that what it's called? She said she didn't even have a name for it back then, you know. Um, and then later on, she moved, to, her family moved around a lot. Later, she moved to Los Angeles. That's where I met her. Um and uh, she was in the golden age of Hollywood and getting involved with things like that. But her talents kept increasing. And eventually she realized this is her life path. And she studied with another mystic, also very clairvoyant, that trained her to teach. Because again, at that point, it wasn't a popular thing to do. And she said, oh, you're going to get a lecture platform. You're going to do this, that. And that's exactly what happened. Now, I went to California um, to start a career in uh, movies and entertainment and things of that nature and music. Um, and it was actually going well. Um, I was having though, I was not metaphysical at that time. I was, it was, uh, but I was having what I call these inspirational moments where I was just sort of in a different place. It was a very beautiful thing. It kind of came and went by itself, but it got so strong. I had, uh, you know, it was a very dramatic spiritual awakening. Um, but even then I didn't quite understand it all. Once I realized it was metaphysics, I couldn't get enough of it. I was studying all that I could. Uh, and about a year later, I met Barbara at a dinner party. And um, 
I knew that night this was the woman, you know, she's my teacher. Because um, also, and interesting, you said you, you love subjects of the other side. Um, I had a lot of questions about metaphysics, but my own experiences, I was trying, she put it together so easily, it seemed like, you know, and, oh, no, this is, you know, I suddenly started to understand it all. And then when she started talking about the other side, and I'm realizing, oh, she's talking from her own experiences there. In my mind, that's when they said, oh, I found my teacher, you know, and we were, you know, right off the bat, I was helping her with her workshops and events. But very quickly, we we realized we both liked to write and we became writer, co-writers, co-authors. Uh, and, you know, after a while, Barbara had amassed so much material. There was no books and things like that at that time. And so, no, we have to organize this. You know, we ought to go in the courses and, you know, just put it all together in a cohesive program. And that led to the beginning of Spiritual Arts Institute and our writing of these books. This one, Heaven Your Spiritual Evolution, is part of a series of books on what we call the Seven Spiritual Arts. We've done one already on, on the aura, obviously, healing in the aura, Carmen reincarnation, the angels. This one's on the other side. We're going to do one on the mind and another one on the, the heart, the, the action center. Um, and it is based on the you know 50 years of clairvoyant experience, but but also very practical. I mean, even though this is about the other side, what we're really, it's really about spiritual growth because most don't realize we're growing through these dimensions of life right now, even though we're here in physical life, as we're changing our vibratory rates, we're changing our relationship to the other side here, not when we just die and go to the other side. So that's why, you know, the, the goal of the book really was to encourage people to make their spiritual evolution a much higher priority in their life. Wonderful. Um, for people that may not understand or know, what exactly is metaphysics? Right, right. Well, uh, they say Aristotle coined the term um, meta meaning after physical, so after the physical. So it's the idea of what what is beyond the physical realm. Now, as we know, and today there's a debate you know, the materialistic mind says there is nothing. There's only the physical universe. That's it. Metaphysics says, oh, no, there's much more. Yes, of course, there's a physical universe, but that's sort of encased in a much larger universe, which means you and I are not physical, even though we have a physical body. We are of that essence of spirit. And that's what the mystical path is to get re in tune with that inner part of you that's as real as these computers we're working with right now. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So um, when we go to the other side, I know that the, the first thing we're all interested in is, will we be reunited with our loved ones on the other side? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's a wonderful process of transitioning it. You know, first of all, people should not be afraid of it. I, I love Woody Allen's line, I'm not afraid of dying, I just don't want to be there when it happens. You know, um, You know, transition is just, it's a natural part of life. Of course, we want to do everything we can here. The regret is, and many do have towards the end of their life, they realize, gosh, all the things I didn't do. You know, all the, maybe I could have done more. You know, we think we're going to live forever, right? And then when we realize there really is an expiration date for everybody, <laughs> right. at least for this time on earth, you want to make the most use of the time that you are here. Now, as far as departed ones, the, the thing to remember is no love is ever lost. If you love somebody and they have crossed over, you will reunite with them. And by the way, even your pets, if you spent 20 years loving a dog or a cat or something like that, that animal remembers that. 
it's not going to forget it even when it crosses over. So, but what we want to be careful is that we don't over grieve. You know, sometimes I know, especially like sometimes with spouses, they've been married so long. So oh, my husband's with me every day or my wife is with me every day. You know, they have, there's a whole beautiful life over there. And what you want to say is, you know, I miss you. I can't wait until we can't see each other, but don't worry about me. I am fine. You know, our time will come. We, we will be back. Now, if there was, let's say, a married couple and there wasn't love, no, then there may not be reunions on the other side because the bond is love. Yeah. Right. Do you think that when we over grieve or can't let go of someone, the transition to afterlife is harder for them? Well, it depends a lot. I think I'm hearing it. <laughs> I am so sorry. It's, it's my... Okay. It's no, I love it. I love it. I just started, I don't have an animal anymore. It must be coming from somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that was coming over the air. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, I love it. Someone wants to get in. We we had an animal. I'm sorry not to sidetrack. Uh, and every time we would go into meditation, you know, it would zip right right next to you. You know, wanted to be it. Tuned, cats are so psychic, and they tune in so much to those realms. You know, uh, I understand the ancient days they'd have them in the temples to let the priest know if any, you know, not so good spirits are coming into the temple, the cats could see them, you know, and, and, and alert them. So um, I'm sorry, I almost forgot your, your, your question. Oh, over <laughs> sorry, yes. Yeah. So the question was, yeah. when we, uh, you know, when we can't let go of someone in the grieving process, I mean, of course, it takes time. But uh, some people just really take it really hard and can't seem yeah. to let go. Does that affect someone's crossing over? It doesn't necessarily affect the crossing over, but it does, you know, they worry about us. So if if I was married to somebody for a long time and I cross over and I see them, you know, they, they can't let go. And of course it's gonna hurt me, right? And I'm gonna probably come around them more often maybe than I should because again, I've got a whole life I've got to take care of on the other side. So now what we've been taught about grieving from the higher is, go through the period you know and we they call we call it the 44 days whale gnash teeth do whatever you got to do you know some people hold it in and they know i'm okay i'm okay i'm okay and they're not okay so it's a good idea to just let it out and especially if this you feel this unfinished business what i've noticed because you know i've lost some you know dear ones and my parents across and things like that um is if there was unfinished business and what I encourage, if you know someone's getting near their end time, reconcile. If you've had any differences of opinion, don't go to your grave with a grudge and don't let someone else go to a grave. If there's the best you can, just let it go. Because often what people are also grieving is that unfinished business. And again, hopefully people that are in heavy grieving, yes, there's a period of adjustment, but meditation helps. And that knowing you will see them again. And of course you can pray for them. You can send the light to them. You can go and they pray for us too. There is a back and forth. Absolutely. Right. Um, so what about, um, I'm going to ask this question, but but uh, I, I don't know how to ask the question simply because it's about God. My mm -hmm. idea of God is different than, you know, some supreme being up and on some throne throwing judgment. But uh the question that I am going to ask is, do we see God when we get to the other side 
or how is God represented on the other side is my, actually my real question. Well, boy, that, that, that's a, a massive topic you, you've got right now. Yes. So I look, I'm, I will share the way we understand it, and everyone makes their own call on that. You know, yeah. <clears throat> we have what we call the metaphysical approach to God rather than perhaps a traditional religious one. But what we say is we're all born of the same God. All of us came from the same divine source. We may have different parents on earth, but we're children of the same source. And the whole pilgrimage, <clears throat> excuse me, started with a divine. We were born in the highest celestial kingdom, but we were these infants, spiritual infants. And we went out on the pilgrimage of life to go through creation to experience, gather wisdom, understanding, knowledge, awareness, and grow spiritually and evolve back to the divine source to, in a sense, be like a co-creative being with what we would call God, the, the creator. But <clears throat> God is not judging us in the sense, you're good, you're bad. No, it's nothing like that. It's that there are universal laws in motion. And just like, you know, if I don't know how to swim and I start drowning, I'm not a bad person. I just broke the laws of swimming, right? And that's going to be the result. So the divine universe is operating not just on physical laws, but spiritual laws. And our job is to kind of realign. Now, seeing God is a very interesting thing, right? Because we're saying, well, if God is there, how come I can't see God? You know? And um, we have to understand we're in a process of awakening. You know, Yogananda, the Indian mystic, said it very beautifully. He said, the goal of life here, not on the other side, here is to see God face to face while in a physical body. Now, he didn't mean it, you know, like a human face. What he meant is to have the God within experience so that you know God is and you know what that God presence is. You know, one of the early experiences I had myself of the other side, um, I was in this beautiful place. I didn't know where I was, um, you know, kind of rolling hills landscape and buildings. And the setting was beautiful, but it wasn't like, you know, gosh, you know, where am I? But what was profoundly different was the God presence was everywhere. There was no question God existed. It wasn't, it's just, you were in the presence of it. So you were just in that environment. And when I came back from that visitation, I was in a high for three days because it wasn't just that, okay, yeah, for sure, there's another side. But those higher realms are incredible. And then I learned, I realized they weren't just giving me a little trip of what life may be like when I cross over. They're saying, and I mean the, the higher that guides us in these things, you've got to build that awareness here. You know, heaven isn't just a place. Heaven is a state of consciousness. If you're going to grow to heaven, you have to build a heavenly vibration here in the physical body, and that will coincide to you going there on the other side. Most people, I don't know if everyone realizes this, the other side isn't one place. It's multiple, it's many places. In my father's house are many mansions, and they're organized according to levels of consciousness as well as literal places you can go to. So you and I talking right now 
our auric fields are vibrating according to one of these planes of consciousness. So if I was to die today, go to the other side, I would go to the plane of consciousness that I, I had the light to go to. So as Barbara would say, your passport to eternity is the light you earn. It's the most precious thing you have. It's not punishment. It's not reward. It's really like attracting light. So what we want to do is not only leave this earth better than the way we found it, we want to leave this earth at a higher level of consciousness than when we started, because everyone has a spiritual potential. We may have started at a certain place, but that doesn't mean that's where we're meant to end. And if we truly evolve our soul in this life, we may find ourselves when it is time to go home, crossing over at a whole other dimension of life than when we started. And I like to call that tri triple blessing. Because it blesses this life, you fulfilled what you meant here. It's going to be a blessing when you cross over. And I have, we haven't brought this up yet, but it sets the tone for your reincarnation in your next life. So it's the triple blessing. I understand. Yeah. So I know that uh, we come to this life to learn and to evolve. Right. But let's say that, uh, you know, the evolution of someone doesn't seem like they actually evolve and, and all they do is cause chaos yeah like in today's yeah. world do you <laughs> think that do you think that that person's chaos is really their way of evolving their gift to us for evolving us well it's true we are teachers to each other right sometimes the toughest person in our life is our greatest teacher we tend to think them as our adversary but our ability to either perhaps stand up to them or speak our mind to them could be the very lesson they're here to learn. You know, the reason life is tough on earth is it's, it is a schoolhouse. And if every lesson was simple, ABCs, we would never really learn. So we're tough. We can handle this. We can handle, but there is free will. We don't have to cooperate with the plan. We don't have to cooperate with any of this. And just like grades in school, Sometimes people flunk. You know, if you look at the evolution, let's say it was on a graph, lifetime to lifetime to lifetime, it would not be a smooth line upward. It would be like a stock market graph, up and down. We'll have lifetimes where we do great things, other lifetimes we blow it, you know, and there we could even do what they call devolve a little bit. And then we get back on track. And eventually the soul says, enough of this yo yo up and down. I'm going to stay on this road and I'm going to hit the golden, you know, the golden gate. I'm going to reach that. And a lot of people are at that place now having this awakening to say, no, no, now's the time to take the oath. Now, one other note to mention here, you know, in metaphysics, we do learn a lot of things. You do learn about the other side and it can be, you can think, well, if I have all this head knowledge, it means I'm sort of more evolved. And we got to be careful there of what they call spiritual egotism. No one likes an egotist, but the spiritual egotist is the worst one of all because they think they're like a cut above, right? Right. Sometimes it's how you're living your life. There are people that don't even use the word spiritual, but are living a more spiritual life than the person that says they're spiritual, right? It's the story of the person that prays on Sunday in church and cheats their partner on Monday, right? You, you've got to you got to live the law and that is the measure of your spiritual growth. Well, where do you think uh, children that pass on early, uh, what is their mission and what do they accomplish or, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that can be heartbreaking. Um, 
So the thing to remember is there is a full soul in that child body. Yes, the even the auric field is, I'm sure you may have even observed yourself, you know, it doesn't engage fully right away. It, it, there's like stages, just like with a child growing to the adult, there's stages that we all go through. There's auric field changes that happen, right? Mm-hmm. But it's still a full soul in that little body. Now, two things can happen here. Number one, there can be just plain accidents, just like anything. We cross over, quote unquote, before our time. In those cases, the child ends up continuing their growth on the other side. There are these people that take them in sort of like foster parents, and they help them till they, they grow to maturity because the growth process continues Till they get shall we say to their astral maturity but sometimes it's karma sometimes they're paying back karma and they are the the death at an early stage is the karmic balancing out and there's a lesson that they're learning through that and again they will still grow on the other side uh barbara was sharing a beautiful story early on they took her to the other side where people were getting ready to reincarnate and she saw like you know, the, what were going to be these, you know, the babies and things like that. And some of them were like the form. And it broke her heart to think, oh, my God, how could, you know, how could this ever happen? And what they explained to her is, again, yes, there is this full soul in this little body, but they're paying back karma and they're shown it beforehand, how much you will clean up by going down this road. And they say, sign me up. Let me go for it. You know, because they see it from the eyes of spirit. They're not seeing it from the physical eyes of the little baby. Of course, we do everything we can to help these situations, everything we can to get the person better. But we don't always know what the real bigger picture is. And that's why, you know, the big key is, remember, it's not, I'm saying this for your audience, it's not what's happening in your life that's the measure of your spiritual maturity. There are going to be adversities in life. It's how you're handling it. And gosh, if you look at what's happening now and how some people are handling adversity right now in Europe, what courage, what amazing courage. That's going to be, that's going to speak louder than anything else. Right. Well, what about um, people that, well, oh, I know we have free will, but people that uh, have a horrible death, um, how are they, I mean, what happens in their transition? Do they cross over with that pain or... Do they, because me, I, I kind of feel like they go into the other side and when they get to the other side, you need to be on some type of hospital or something to yeah, recover absolutely. from that. Oh, no, no, absolutely right. Absolutely right. Um, oh, that's a tough question. But some of the, that crosses over violently. Um, <clears throat> generally, when they're taken to the other side, they're not fully awake yet. They're, they go to, like you say, one of these healing places. But it'd be too deep a shock to be fully aware that, oh my God, I was brutally murdered, you know, stabbed 10 times. So what they do is they they let you, exactly what you said, they let you heal a little bit. You're not quite aware of what's happening. And then they let you regain your awareness that you've crossed over. And then slowly they will share with you what happened. But it's, it's a very loving process because of the, exactly you're right. It can be very traumatic. Now, it really does help to believe, you know, to understand there is another side because sometimes the trauma is not only that it was a violent death. Now, the physical pain obviously is gone. 
when they cross over, but they can go in another type of shock. Like, you know, there are other places on the other side that are so much like earth, you don't even think you've died. And so if I don't even believe in an afterlife, and here I am saying, well, I'm talking to you, I'm not dead. You know, what are you saying you have crossed over? What do you mean by that? And it takes them a while to realize, oh no, I'm not where I think I am. And then they go into a shock, just the fact that they died, you know, uh, regardless if it was even violent or not. Uh, so it really helps to have a, an awareness of the continuity of life. It makes it easier here. It makes it easier there. We Just imagine if all humanity truly understood life is continuous, a lot of things in life would change today. You know, we'd have a very different perspective on things. Yeah. You know, that I can tell you from personal experience and the way that things have happened to me through the years. Um, as a child, it used to happen to me and it was terrifying to me and I tried to shut it off for so many years and it was fear that stopped me from trying to continue trying to learn, you know, what was going on about the colors around the people and the lights and, oh. and um, I mean, I was able to see people on the other side just like I see you. And Beautiful. as a child, I wouldn't know the difference. Uh, right. And the only way I've I found out through the years, the difference is that when some of these people knew I could see them and talk to them and communicate with them, they proceeded to think that, oh, I don't know how it worked, but I know it for me, they would approach me and basically demand that I bring them back to this life to put them back in their bodies because if, oh I, had the ability, if I had the ability to talk to them and see them, I must have some type of ability to bring them back. And um, so, yeah, that was bad. And and, and was, actually you're trying to help them do the opposite because if people are here, they're what they call earthbound. They haven't even crossed over to the other side. Yeah. So you were probably one of those people trying to tell them, you don't belong here. It's time to go home. You know, it's time to go home. <laughs> right. And then, but as a child, I mean, the only thing I saw was a. Oh, uh, oh they were telling this child. Oh, as I see. As a child, yeah. I mean, I oh. saw them as, as, as grownups harassing me and, and I was scared. Oh, you know? God. So was that was. Your, I just had a curiosity. Was your family supportive of your experiences or? You know, it's. I was raised Roman Catholic. And the okay. thing oh, about okay. it is oh, that okay. when, yeah. Uh, it was viewed as they they comforted me when I was in that terror, but then as soon as it, it you know we'd go to bed, sleep, rest in the morning, wake up like nothing ever happened, nothing was discussed, mm -hmm. and uh, you know they they just it's hard to process it. it was hard yeah. to process it. And yeah. when I try to talk about it, you know the only thing that was said to me is, whatever you do, don't talk about that in public. They'll think you're yeah. crazy. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's yeah. not the right thing. It's a sin, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, you know, they didn't mean any harm by it, but they no, just... No, no, they just didn't understand. Yeah. No, it's interesting, though. I was I was on an interview some years ago, and we were kind of on this subject. And the interview said, you know, I was actually interviewing two nuns. I don't know what they were doing on this show. And they were describing in the nunnery having these clairvoyant, you know, auric experiences. Right. and trying to tell the mother superior what happened and she was doing exactly what you just said no don't talk about this so they they were experiencing it themselves within the faith that they were practicing but shh, don't talk about it don't bring it up don't make it something so yeah there's some changes that need to be made let's put it that way <laughs> right yeah yeah and, and you know and as i grew um in the church and in in life 
the thing I could never understand is they talk about J Jesus and all the miracles and things he could do, and that was okay. But for someone, just a plain Jane person like me, being able to see things and, and feel things that other people couldn't, that was not acceptable. That was a sin, and that was always so confusing yeah. to me. Yeah, well, because they try to say the days of the prophets are closed, the book is closed. No, it's a living tradition. That's the whole, the biggest mistake is to try to close the book and say nothing more, only this. Jesus was an example. Of, he said, you know, all these things you're going to do and more. He was right. supposed to, he was trying to set the stage. You know? Yep. I know there's a whole discussion about that, the metaphysical understanding of all of that. Will, will we remember our life on earth when we cross to the other side? You know, that's a great question. Um, it's selective. You know, in the same way, we kind of lose memory of the other side when we incarnate here, so we can focus our attention here. We don't remember all the details when we cross over because the life is over. It's done with. And our attention needs to be engaged in other things. But of course, you know, we will have visitations, we will visit our loved ones. There's a period where they, if it's an optional, you don't have to do it. You know, you visit your loved ones on earth and see how they're doing and that rekindles some memory. But, but the goal is to really get this fresh start. There's a interesting story a, a clairvoyant told of a, kind of, we're in the religious, a little bit of maybe of a self-righteous minister thought he was the, you know, was going to go right to the throne of God. And all this there and he crosses over and he realizes it's not what he thought and he goes back and he visits his wife and she's lying in the backyard in a recliner and she says i never saw her so relaxed too too intense about all of this and then you know those are the awakenings that we have when we realize gosh maybe i did make some mistakes while i was on earth yeah um so for for someone that you know may not be able to to see auras or you know things that you know like me i understand it a lot better now and uh i i i don't like to talk about it about me and i don't tell people that i can see things and i can do things uh i, I don't know why it just i just feel like that's that's not my journey that that's not who i am my journey is to talk to other people that know about this and, and can talk about it but for someone that you know it just is trying to learn is there a possible way for them to connect with the other side how do they begin if that's possible well it's interesting you know um first of all it's a wonderful thing that just to relate to you for a moment um that you have that talent my first thought was coming in, have you, have you ever been trained? Have you ever worked with someone that really knows what they're doing and can help kind of facilitate your talent? Because, you know, it's kind of like saying, well, you know, I can improvise on the piano. Like, I, I don't even have to try. I just do it, you know. Well, if you get to study with a, a master, shall we say, well, then you can become maybe a, you know, a great composer or something. So... So I, I just, I'm getting, I'm getting a little of the message, you know, <laughs> if you can, you may be already, but you may want to even consider a little bit more training in what you're doing. Because, you know, even though Barbara had her natural talents, she trained for 20 years before she actually started. Because there's a huge difference between being a like a clairvoyant and a trained clairvoyant. 
And yes, she's been training me in the mystical arts too. And it is a hard nut to work with, to, to really control. Um, but when people say, can I see the other side or can I see auras? What we like to say, well, it's inherent in all of us. The potential is there in all of us. Um, it's generally a natural byproduct of the evolutionary process. So as you are awakening and evolving, these gifts that are there do start to awaken in their time. You can't control it. Barbara had a student once that was complaining, well, I don't see the aura and I don't see the other side. I don't see, you know. And one day she was in a simple meditation. She had a visitation of an angelic being, saw her, like you said, clear as day. And the angel kissed her on the cheek. And, you know, she didn't call on the angel, angelic being. It just, that was the moment to have her awakening or that experience. So it's great to have it. But the main thing is to live the spiritual life. And to live by those, the truths that you are learning. And these gifts can open. We, many, you know, a lot of our classes are about the aura and meditation. Say, well, should I work with this if I don't see it? Well, work with the aura, see the change in your life, and that will be the validation. If you do see colors, that's wonderful. But the main thing is to work and also be careful. It doesn't mean you're more evolved. You know, sometimes students will come to classes, they'll say, oh my God, I saw this blue light, and I saw, you know, and the person next to them didn't see anything. And they think, well, maybe I'm not doing such a good job. Not necessarily. It's just that talent is kind of there. But if you're doing your work, that's what's most important. Right. Yeah. yeah. And and I know that uh, I started this journey. Like I said, I mean, I've been in this life, not of my choice. It just happened. I just didn't know what was going on. And then I denied it for the longest time and moved away from it. And then as you grow, you know, you're a teenager and you have all these other things to do anyways. So my, I was living life, but it would sneak up on me, <laughs> you know, you know, I would see things and hear things and, but I never said anything to anyone. I would just know that it was happening. But Good. That was a smart move. I, I made a little mistake early on because for me, it was kind of more of an explosion. And, uh, um, you know, I couldn't keep quiet and Barbie said, tell me, shh, shh, shh talking about it too much, you know, uh, and I learned a little bit the harder way that what you said, it's much better to be low key about it. And yeah, if you're, let's say, seeing somebody and you notice something not so great, say, hey, are, is everything okay? You know, are you doing, all, you know, just subtle ways to see how you can help them because you don't know where they're coming from. Um, but of course, as I'm sure you have been, and anyone that has having these experiences listening here, do do work on it, do develop it. That is God knocking on your door. It's not just nothing, you know. So, and you don't have to prove it to anybody, but do be careful you aren't, you know, we've had these situations sometimes where, and it doesn't sound like you're the opposite of that. You know, you're trying, we're trying to push it away. Some were so yearning to have it that they were having what we call counterfeit experiences. They were, things were coming from their unconscious and they thought, oh, I'm seeing an angel. I mean, we literally had this gentleman, a very smart guy, said, I saw the Archangel Gabriel. He had a big G on his chest and he was wearing a cape and he was wearing it. He started describing Superman, right? <laughs> yeah. And he was saying it with the utmost sincerity. And you're, you know, it was a, a wish, right? That was yeah. coming up, you know, and he, he couldn't control it. So it's much better to be low key but definitely don't want to ignore it. There have been cases, and I'm so glad that didn't happen to you when you were trying, where some have actually shut it down. You know, they said, when I was young, I was having all these experiences. 
but I'm not having them anymore. You know, um, you do want to nurture it. You do want to nurture it. And in this age, it's going to happen more. The, the mystic experiences are going to get stronger with humanity in the days coming up. We do live in this materialistic age right now, but the, the mystical is reigniting. You know, there have been ages where societies were very mystical, and that's how the, the mystery schools abounded. That's how the, the Egyptians did a lot of their great things early on, you know. So it'll happen again. It's just we are in a very rational, scientific mode right now, and because we are doing these amazing things in that mode with technology, it can be a little seductive, you know, where we're forgetting what's really important. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. I've, I've always been, you know, someone that... Uh, loves a challenge and and you know and I'm always wanting to accomplish this or accomplish that but what happened to me that I finally decided to at least learn about all this was when I lost my mom oh. I was very very close to my mother uh, she was she was an incredible person I'm adopted but as an adopted kid I mean I was still and I say this proudly I was a mama's boy big time <laughs> um, yeah, but when I lost my mom, I remember sitting there on, on, you know, on the bed when she passed. And I remember telling her, and I'll never forget. I told her, I don't know how or when, but I will talk to you and see you again. Oh, oh. I said, I just know it, and I will. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, that's when I decided to figure I said, well, it's got to oh. be with the colors. It's got to be something about the colors. I have to understand what the colors are. I have to understand yeah. how they're affecting people and how what colors mean and what's happening to that person and and the other thing that i that has gotten stronger through the years is when i started seeing people on the other side around people yeah. i started seeing swirls of of i guess energy or something it was like like whenever you're looking down a highway and you see the heat coming off the highway right. that, i would see heat signatures but as time goes on uh there's yeah, I know. I hear it. Someone wants to get their two cents. Oh, <laughs> so I do. I'll try to continue from here. Okay. So, um, you know, but yeah, I just started wanting to learn and wanting to understand Great. and to know. And I'm telling you, meditation, and I knew for me anyways, I don't know about anybody else, but I knew that meditation would be a key to opening right. myself up and, and being able to, to do a lot more. So I started learning to meditate, but I'm telling you, it took me three years to finally know how to meditate to the point where it's just, I'm in another place, in another right. time, in a complete bliss without falling asleep, because I used to right. fall asleep in a heartbeat. Right. So. Right, right. No, well, the, the meditation is that exactly what you said. It's meant to be an experience where you're kind of tuning out of the active world, getting into the inner part of you and hopefully receiving from the divine and communicating with it. Yeah, it can take a while sometimes, but thank God you stuck with it. You know, yeah. I know we sometimes have students saying, oh, I'm too busy to meditate, or I got the monkey mind, I can't concentrate. Well, that's just like saying you want to work out and your muscles are weak. You know, you gotta, you got to develop it. you got to just take a little time, and thank God you took it. And, you know, as you say, once you get to that place, then it's like you can't live without it. You know, at that point, it, it's like a part of your life. And um, meditation is extremely important. In our work, we do a combination of meditating and prayer. So the prayer part is the petitioning, the connecting with the divine. The meditating is the receiving. So let's say, okay, 
maybe I'm lacking a little self-confidence. Well, in the auric field, confidence comes in as that gold light. Well, certainly if I go out and be more confident, I'm going to start generating that light, but I can also call it in. And if I call it in and go out there and be dynamic, then suddenly it's all going to start to come together. So um, it's a cooperative effort. Uh, and meditation, I like to think of meditation sometimes, well, first of all, the inner experience, but as far as the interaction with life, it's like you're getting all the ammo. You know, uh, It's interesting, Bhagavad Gita takes place on a battlefield, right? And this Christ-like figure is trying to convince the lead warrior, you've got to go into battle. Doesn't sound like a very spiritual <clears throat> text, but when you realize what they're talking about is the battlefield of life, and this divine being is trying to tell them how to live that mystical life, then, then it all starts to come to life. Yes, and, and you know, I, I can tell you that the one thing, the biggest thing that I learned about meditating um, and, and I try to tell others continually because I do this show with interviewing other people, but also do another show and it's just me, you know, giving my food for thought. Um, and in that show, I talk to people about what I've learned and, and you know, and, and I can tell you and what I was going to say was meditation has taught me that it's essential, it, you know, learning to meditate doesn't just help me connect with spirit and with the universe and God, but with myself and, and which is basically the same thing, but it gives me a, a, a calm and a peace. And yeah. when things go crazy in my life and, and I just feel like I, I, I mean, before meditating off the wall, I would totally yeah. blow up and whatever. But since meditation, I know what's important and I know what's not important. And I know what's not important is to win or to have that ego, or to make sure that I'm right and they're wrong. And I'm not trying to prove anything to anyone. You know, I am just me, I'm no more and no less. And that is the biggest lesson that I have learned from all this, if anything. Wow, that's a huge one. That's a huge one. To find that center is key. Yes. But well, then you've got essentially the spiritual backbone and you're not reacting to things, you're kind of proactive in whatever you're doing. So Absolutely. that's kind of like the returning to the Tao, right? Getting into that centered place where you're simply letting life happen instead of trying to force it to happen. It's easy to do that. We've got that instinctual nature and it wants to react to things. And we're trying to learn to be of the spirit. We have to learn to temper that. And uh, it's not always easy because those instinctual pulls and personality pulls can be very, very strong. Right, yeah. And the, the, the biggest thing, I mean, we have to understand and, and really wake up to is we have two ears and one mouth for a reason. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So I wanted to also ask you, um, do you think you've found your purpose? Oh, yes, yes. Oh, no, I, um, I thought my purpose really when I was young was, you know, music and uh, movies. I mean, I was pursuing it with zeal. I was practicing four hours a day on the piano, you know, um, and, you know, I was living in Chicago I was raised in, well, I was raised in a couple of places, but formative years were in Chicago and, um, you know, going to LA, I would say like you hear so many times I followed my bliss. If I hadn't followed the bliss to say, you know, cause I, I came from a very, you know, uh, uh, 
you know, my, my father was a doctor, my brother has become a doctor. You know, I, I could have lived a very healthy but different life, let's say, in, in, in the Chicago area. So I was kind of the, the odd one to go out and say, oh, you're going to do movies? No, that's, that's a pipe dream. But I really felt I had to do this, right? But then when I discovered metaphysics, I did realize, well, I love movies. I love music. I'm always going to love those things. But no, this is my purpose. This is my purpose. And it did change things. Now, it didn't make life easy right away because my world was not a metaphysical world, right? None of my friends at the time were even remotely interested in this, you know, and they were good people. Um, so it did shake the foundations quite a bit. But I was fortunate in that way. I was never a thought in the, in the same way. I guess it's like when you meet somebody, you know, oh, this is going to be the love of your life or you're going to marry, you know, just, you know, there's mo those moments where it's not even really an intellectual thing. It's a soul thing. I definitely had that with my own awakening. And I also had it with Barbara when I realized I, I found my teacher, you know, and uh, it's been a long journey. There's been a lot of, you know, dramas along the way, but the, 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 the determination has never wavered. I would say that is my one, one gift. Maybe in other lifetimes I didn't do it. And this time I was going to say, no, no matter what, I'm going to make it happen this time. So I have a lot of determination. Evidently I needed it, um, but it has brought me to this point. So, um, so yeah, I encourage everyone to follow really, I mean, it sounds corny, but it's really true. Follow what's in your heart. You know, look at what's happened with the COVID thing. So many people have changed their jobs right now and they stopped doing what they're doing before. They realize it wasn't that fulfilling. Now, if you're saying, well, I haven't had that magic moment to know this is where I'm supposed to go. Well, do, do what's coming to you at the moment. There's a beautiful saying, the seeking of the philosopher's stone sets the condition to find it. So you've got to get out there and try things just like if you're looking for a companion, if you're looking for love in your life, but that all expression, sometimes you have to kiss a few frogs before you find your, your princess or prince, you know, you, just, you have to be in the action of it. And that gets some momentum going. So don't say, well, when I find it, then I'll pursue it. Pursue life, do things that are interesting to you, and you will find that sense of purpose. Yep. Life is a journey, not a yep. destination. <laughs> yep. Heaven and Your Spiritual Evolution by Barbara Martin and Dimitri Moratis. Uh, thank you so much for joining me on the show and talking about the book and uh, subject. I love it. My great pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Um, you know, they can go to the website if they want to learn more at spiritualarts.org. And the book is available everywhere. Yep. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.